the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3 this Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. We've spoken over the last few days about the remarks uh, President Trump made in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's a lot there, but um, among the other things he said that has been reiterated many times by him and other members of his administration is, quote, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not al-Qaeda, white supremacists. That's not me. That's the intelligence community. Horace Cooper is a longtime uh, Washington advocate, spokesman, thinker, and attorney. He is with the National Center for Public Policy Research, where he is a senior fellow and the co-chairman of the Project 21 Advisory Board at the National Center. He's been all over this story. I could not wait to talk to him. It's been years since I've been in touch with you, um, Mr. Cooper. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Well, thank you so much for having me on today. Really appreciate it. There's been this general theme, uh, and uh, before we have to stipulate beyond silliness, that we are, of course, uh, strenuously... um, Uh, opposed to any kind of white supremacy or notions of it. There's something about this that just doesn't sound quite right, isn't there, Horace? Well, that's the reason why uh, yesterday on Tucker Carlson's show, I referred to this as a uh, hoax, a race hoax. Mm -hmm. And I said this was akin to the Jesse Smollett hoax. Mm -hmm. Look, here's what we do know. The number of lawsuits for workplace bias excuse me, on the basis of race, are at a record low. They've been declining for the last 10 years, and in the last four years, they dropped to precipitous levels. Here's what we know. Uh, The number of investigations of hate crimes on the basis of race are also on a steady decline, and the only increase, as I mentioned on the television program, the only increase that we have seen has been anti-Semitism and recently anti-Asian. In both instances, a disproportionate share of those bias incidents were initiated by young black men. So what do we point to when we want to talk about white supremacy? If you want to talk about interracial marriage, we have an un unprecedented number of whites and blacks marrying in 2020, in 2019, in 2018, even in 2019, with all of the restrictions that governments placed on the ability to hold a wedding, we still continue to see the same share of marriages that were interracial, which is a steadily increasing share. We see the steadily increasing number of interracial births. 
So what I ask is, on what basis are we able to make a conclusion that there's a white supremacy, hate, toxic, dangerous assault type activity occurring? When we ask, when Gallup asks people, they tell us, white Americans, black Americans, tell us that they are less likely to be hostile towards people of race than they were, say, 50 years ago. It's uh, We're talking to Horace Cooper, co-chairman of the Project 21 National Advisory Board at the National Center for Public Policy Research. Been all over this uh, this story and this uh, reified um, position from the administration that white supremacy is the most lethal threat to America right now beyond ISIS or anything else. Horace, when you outline the figures and statistics you just did, uh, you could go anywhere in this country, practically anywhere in this country, and um, say those things to the man on the street if the man on the street gets his news from ABC, CNN, or his local newspaper, most likely. Uh, and he would say, you're, you're crazy. We just went through a year and a half of protests and riots because of attacks from um, uh, white people, usually in uniform, against black people. The racism here, we're told, is not only systemic. But, of course, Joe Biden continually uh, refers to the reason he ran for president, which was the rise of white supremacy. And that's why I'm asking for this administration to declassify the data, which does not exist. Mm. Uh, I can tell you that the Department of Justice keeps track of rapes, Mm -hmm. keeps tracks of assaults, keeps tracks of burglaries, all manner of dangerous crime, and they keep track of it by city, they keep track of it by gender, they keep track of it by race. The sad news is, the sad news is that one particular group, and that is black men between the ages of 14 and 26, are disproportionately, they're they're less than 6% of the population, and they're between 40 and 60, depending on the category, percent of the actual victimizers in this. If we could at least see data showing an increase snatchers among white men, if we could see an increase in car break-ins or any type of other uh, independent behavior, you'd be able to sort of make this claim that still wants all of the other evidence that we have. I want to ask... The evidence yeah. shows overwhelmingly exactly the opposite. We're talking to Horace Cooper. Horace, uh, this is so so clear on your part, and I want to thank you again for, for, for joining us. Uh, he is with the National uh, Center for Public Policy Research. Horace, I want to ask you why they're making this claim in a moment. But before I do that at the more philosophical level, one more statistical uh, series of questions. Because there was some news since uh, February, I guess, or March, that there was an uptick in anti-Asian hate crimes or violence. And then, of course, over the last two weeks, if you listen to talk radio, you would know there's been a major surge in anti-Semitism. If you listen to CNN, you wouldn't. Um, But nonetheless, it's there. Tree falls in the forest. It doesn't matter if CNN covers it. The tree fell, right, Horace? But the question then becomes, if the anti-Asian and anti-Jewish violence is on the uptick or hate crimes are on the uptick, wouldn't that be from white supremacy? Well, as I point out, 
Uh, the problem is the data shows that they're young black men who are disproportionately undertaking this behavior. And in this case, we're not talking about We're talking about hundreds or more of these assaults are happening by these particular individuals. Now, I am a person who believes that we don't shouldn't care why a person raped, robbed, or committed. We should hold people accountable. That with just a little self control, you can walk past the Seven Eleven. You don't have to go in and pistol and instill from it with just a little self control. But for the few, we must actually. Let me hold you right there, Horace. Horace, let me hold you right there. Let my uh, that line just got a little awkward, weird. Let me have my producer call you right, right back. We'll be right back with more from Horace Cooper. We are delighted to be speaking with Horace Cooper. He is the co-chairman of the Project Twenty One National Advisory Board, the National Center for Public Policy Research. National Center. Dot org is their website. We're talking about the um, statements out of this administration, including from the president, that white supremacy is the most lethal threat to Americans today. Horace, um, we talked a little bit about the uptick, uh, the reported uptick in anti-Asian and anti-Jewish uh, crime, hate crimes over the last few months. Wouldn't that lead one to conclude that that's resultant of white supremacy? Well, the only big problem with that is the data shows exactly the opposite. Okay. In this case, a disproportionate number of blacks between the ages of 14 and 26 are engaging in this behavior. But instead of less than half, uh, even though blacks are 6% of the population, more than two-thirds of the behavior of the uh, victimizing is occurring by these individuals. And so you still actually don't see evidence. Now, let me tell you a problem of blaming, quote, the white supremacy boogeyman. If you're out in a place where you could be in danger, if you're busy keeping your eye out for the white supremacy boogeyman, you might actually miss out on what is or who is the actual threat. There are actual consequences to this administration lying to the American people. Now, let me explain another point. We did an experiment in America starting in late 2018, early 2019, and it sped up throughout 2020. We decided that we were going to decriminalize bad behavior, and we were not going to require people to have bail. We were not going to require certain behaviors to be punished with felonies. And people are shocked to find out that when you send a signal that bad behavior will not be punished, that you get more of it. There is nothing particular about raping, robbing, or other kinds of mayhem that are as unique to any particular color. There is a lot to be said, though, when a society signals, particularly when it does in the inner city, that it will not hold people accountable. Young black men thrive in the inner city, and they've been getting this message 
and many Americans have suffered as a result. Yeah, I worry about that, too. I worry about that in so many respects, whether it has to do with policing. Well, let me let me let me do a hard one with you uh, in, in this context. I worry about the message, even in these communities you're describing, uh, inner city or urban areas of 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 minority um um, population, the message is when they're being told the white cop is your enemy, the white cop is going to kill you or wants to kill you or is killing you, that message, it seems to me, is perhaps in some part responsible for as many um, cop shootings of quote-unquote unarmed African-American men than anything else because it's a resisting arrest problem as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think every one of these cases is a resisting arrest case, I think, if not the preponderant majority are. And I'll tell you, if I was raised for 18 years being told X is going to kill me and wants to kill me and is killing me, I'd run too. Don't you think that's part of the problem? Well, that is part of the problem. Um, we started in the, uh, the latter part of the Obama administration a sociological experiment and it it involved what was called the talk mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. families were told they needed to make sure their young black children were aware yep. of the risk of an encounter with law enforcement right let me tell you what the statistics actually say okay if you're a young black teenager you're four or five times more likely to be killed by another young black teenager. The CDC lists, the Center for Disease Control, lists cause of deaths for every race group and every gender. Only blacks list murder or homicide as the top ten cause of death, and it's not coming from law enforcement. It is coming from other people in the community. But talk failed to ever inform our young people who or what they should be concerned about. This is and kind of the opposite uh, side of that coin. Very dangerous. Yeah, this is the opposite side of the coin you said in problem number one, isn't it? Which is if we're focused on the wrong thing, then the bad thing is going to keep happening. If we're addressing the, if we have the wrong, the wrong culprit, the wrong solution that we're chasing, then we're going to have more, more malevolence. That that's the exact so, so, opposite side of that coin, isn't it, Horace? Well, that's right. So we had a virtual killing fill in Chicago for the last three years. Any statement about doing something to stop hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deaths was called white supremacy, was called bigotry, was called allowing police force lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Now, none of these people showed up at the funeral. None of these people actually did something to make up to the individuals whose either lives were lost or whose family members mm -hmm. suffered mm -hmm. when these lives were lost. Mm -hmm. It is outrageous that the President of the United States would stand up and make this statement, which is flatly false, it is completely unsubstantiated, and we know that is the case, and the only reason for doing it is the political advantage. There is a political salience that comes from telling this lie. Shame on the President of the United States who thinks that he needs to rely on that 
to bolster him. I'm with you. Shame is the right word. I, I think this is the most toxic form of politics, this use of race and racialization that we're getting out of the Democratic Party. But let me push on that last point uh, you're making here. It was the one I really wanted to get to, which is the why. Is it part of instantiating Horace? A narrative that white equals conservative equals extreme equals bad and it's tied into the bundle of sticks that starts with Donald Trump and runs through January 6th um, with 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 a soupçon of police interaction in between. Is this what it's about? Is it trying to create some you used the word boogeyman either uh, earlier, some kind of fantasy enemy in this country of, of white Americans? Is that the point here? So in the 1990s, there was a coordinated effort to try to marginalize the Republican Party Mm -hmm. and claim that all problems that you face are caused by the Republicans and their efforts. Mm -hmm. When people started realizing their governor wasn't a Republican, their mayor wasn't a Republican, the police chief definitely wanted to look more like them than anyone else, well, then it becomes really, really difficult to just say the Republican boogeyman. Mm -hmm. So now... It is easier to galvanize support by saying, no, 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 this boogeyman is your next-door neighbor. Mm-hmm. This boogeyman is shopping at the same grocery store you do. This boogeyman is the one that would show your house if it was up for sale. And that has been a lot easier to galvanize support and maintain a level of um, willingness to associate with the Democrats. Here's the thing, really, a great agenda, making a difference in the lives of people, is the best way to get support. The left has decided that that work is too hard. Mm. So we'll just use scare tactics. Uh, FDR said all that we have to fear is fear itself. Today's left, all they have to offer yeah, there is a there is a fear industry here, or what I call a crisis industrial complex, um, that that I'm hoping is running a course. I wonder if in the last minute or so you might you might respond to this. Do do we think there's 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 light at the end of this tunnel in this sense, Horace? You're seeing the head of the BLM and founder of that movement resign over financial controversies. You're seeing more and more social media videos from beautiful uh, persons in the uh, persons of color uh, rejecting critical race theory. Um, even Anthony Fauci's taking some hits these days, Horace. Are, were some of these sem- temporary excitations are are they wearing out and wearing thin with the American people as they learn more about what this stuff and critical race theory is all about? Or do you think it's here for some time to stay? I don't think it's here for some time to stay. I'm actually fairly optimistic. I will tell you that we're in the period where they're uh, in the desperate throes of trying to keep and galvanize support. And so they continue to expand into fantasy land. And so even the president of the United States, something Barack Obama never did, Biden feels obligated to do. I'm with you. Horace Cooper, this was great, and uh, I hope we can do it again soon. I so much appreciate it. People want to see what you're up to, they can go to nationalcenter.org. Horace Cooper is the co-chairman of the Project 21 National Advisory Board at the National Center for Public Policy Research. Horace, thank you so much for the clarity. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. You know, one of the things I wanted to do, and I think the holiday kind of got in in the middle, in between me and you and doing it, 
got in the way, that's how we speak in America, was – and it's based off what we were just talking about, Horace – talking to Horace about. What is what is the look back one year after all this Sturmendring, after all these alarms and confusions? I, I, you know, it's it's a um, – it's a hard thing to unpack last year, isn't it, when you think about it? Do we want to unpack the riots and the violence and the race issues? Do we want to unpack the controversies over the election? Or do we want to try and unpack issues having to do with the novel coronavirus, the Wuhan flu? What do you want me to call it, Bill? I'll call it whatever you want me to call it at this point. What do you want me to call it? The Wuhan virus, fine. Um. <laughs> I saw a cartoon on this. We can't say specifically it was from Wuhan. A cartoon that said, yeah, I was, I, uh, <laughs> I was in Connecticut and bit by a uh, deer tick and developed uh, Lyme disease, but I don't know how. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fine. Sorry about that little interruption. But my point is, when you look at last year, these three huge things, never mind everything else in our daily lives, what do you unpack? What do you look at what has been wrought? How do you overcome a year like that? Has there been a year like that since the Civil War or World War II? Maybe 68. Maybe. Maybe 68. But there are differences from now and between now and, and that have transpired since 1968. We were a different country then. We were a country where Democrats and Republicans' patriotism was on equal par and where socialism would not catch any purchase in the Democratic Party, which was on those issues in most cases as conservative or I should say hawkish is the better word as conservatives. Um, what did a year of the BLM movement give us? What did a year of refocusing all social attention from simply the disease to the disease and the cause of Black Lives Matter? What has been wrought? Have we asked ourselves that? Well, Byron York did. Byron York did. And um, he writes... Uh, Wall-to-wall media coverage of Floyd's George Floyd's death gave Americans a distorted picture of the extent of police violence, but that created the narrative for the rest of the year. Unlike Floyd, most people who die in interactions with police are killed by gunfire, and fatal police shootings of unarmed civilians, black or white, are exceedingly rare. 14 unarmed black people and 25 unarmed white people were killed by police in 2019. That number, 14, represented two-tenths of 1% of black homicide victims in that year. It was also down significantly from previous years. And the toll of those killed, of course, included a significant number of white victims as well as black. Nevertheless... A national uproar over Floyd's death turbocharged the BLM movement and the defund the police movement. 
Support for BLM skyrocketed after skyrocketed after Floyd's death, and several city governments, including Minneapolis, took steps to defund their police departments. They did so even in the face of warnings that fewer officers and le- less active policing would inevitably lead to more crime. And now those cities are suffering through a wave of increased violence. New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Atlanta, Philadelphia, all have experienced huge increases in crime. The situation in Minneapolis being particularly dire. As McDonald writes, Minneapolis homicides between January 1st and a week ago were up 108% compared with the same period the year before. I have a lot more on what a year of this has wrought that I want to do with you when we come back. On our way to break, let me put in a word for my good friend Solar Sandy, the woman who brought integrity back to solar in Arizona, but not just integrity. She actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. If you want to tell the utility companies to go you know where and go solar, you want Solar Sandy. She has the formula to put money, your hard-earned money, back in your pocket. And if you sign up with her now, she'll pay your power bills and your solar panel payments for one year, and you'll receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. That's right. $1,000 at signing and no solar or power bill payments for one year. To get started, go to AskSolarSandy.com or call her at 623-850-8229. That's AskSolarSandy.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Byron York is analyzing what a year of BLM has wrought. Someone could talk about what a year of coronavirus has wrought and what a year of... Man, I mean, you almost want to forget 2020. Is 2021 going better, by the way? Anyway, as anyone could have uh, predicted, the reaction of defunding the police is here. 108% increase in homicides in Minneapolis this year compared to the same time last year. Shootings up 153% and carjackings 222%. The crime increase that began after Floyd's death, which is when it began, never let up. As anyone could have predicted, the surge in crime is prompting cities whose leaders embraced the values of the movement last year to reassess how far they're willing to go to reimagining public safety and divert money away from the police and towards social services. The New York Times reported as recently, instead of defunding the police, some cities are now talking about increasing funding for law enforcement. That's what a crime wave will do. Was it yesterday I was talking about how we do these things? They are unnecessary. We We don't need to reinvent the wheel. We don't need to go back to zero. We don't really need a great relearning, as Tom Wolf said. We've done all this before, and the results were the same. We're in Albert Einstein's realm of repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a decent or good result when again and again and again we try these things. I mean, did anyone really ever stop in a smart room where meetings were being held and say, What's the purpose of the police? Oh, 
Yes, to stop, prevent, and fight crime. So more of that is more stopping and preventing and fighting of crime. So shouldn't less of that be more crime? Did anyone in any of these smart, learned rooms just take us to things we learned before we were even born? The kind of knowledge that's just so commonsensical, it's locked away in our souls and hardly needs to be even taught. Some on the left are worried, Byron writes, that rising crime will hurt Democrats who are sympathetic to the movement. It might also give energy to law and order candidates who run for office on the basis of actually enforcing the law rather than diverting police money to other purposes. Fear of violence undermines liberal politics, Ezra Klein tweeted out last week. Strong men politicians win punitive responses like mass incarceration and warrior policing rise. Meanwhile, public support for the BLM movement has plummeted. It soared after Floyd's death and fell almost as quickly after a series of riots broke out last summer. Now it is still in the net positive range but far less popular than at its peak. So things are changing. Biden and Harris are welcoming the Floyd family or have welcomed the Floyd family to the White House. Um, And um, there's the image of George Floyd himself, as the president keeps speaking of the George George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. As the name of the bill suggests, and as the White House uh, will tell you, A year of activism, protest, and upheaval has lent a certain martyr's status to the Floyd name. Early on, I did not think George Floyd would be made a martyr of. I think I remember a caller and I getting into that, and I was clearly wrong. I was clearly wrong about that. Nancy Pelosi said, quote, the martyrdom of George Floyd, the martyrdom of George Floyd gave the American experience a moment of national anguish as we grieve for the black Americans killed by police brutality. And she would later say, isn't it a beautiful sight to behold the martyrdom, the martyrdom of George Floyd has evoked such a response of peaceful demonstrators calling for the change that they know our country needs as we go forward. Also on June 8th, Pelosi, Senate Majority Leader Charles Schumer and other top Democrats held an event where they kneeled for eight minutes and 40 seconds, seconds, 46 seconds in George Floyd's memory. But it's important to remember that the issue here is how police treat people who are criminals or who are suspected of committing crimes. Suspects in custody have the right to be treated decently and in accordance with the law, which is why former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was convicted of second and third degree murder and manslaughter. But no one would want to emulate George Floyd. He had a record of nine arrests for drugs and theft and served stints in jail before being sentenced to five years in prison for aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon. On the day of his death, he was high on fentanyl, hanging out with a known drug dealer and allegedly engaged in petty crime at a convenience store, all before he then resisted arrest. What is important in the Floyd matter is to focus on the issue of police handling of cases like Floyd's on the lawful treatment of suspects and not on George Floyd himself. It is not about creating a martyr. It is not about defunding police. Dwelling on that has contributed to what is now an ongoing disaster of increased crime in the United States. And you think about that increased crime and it's being aided and abetted by the crisis at the border. 
which is not to be called a challenge or a crisis or anything else anyone wants to call it based on the fact that we're getting St. Teresa's crossing the border here into America. Mother Teresa's. We're not. And that crime, along with the defunding of the police, and along with, as Horace Cooper said, the um, delisting of certain crimes as misdemeanors and felonies, is a defining of deviancy down. It's a devaluing of good behavior and an elevating of criminal poor and bad behavior, which is why the Democrats have reaped what they've sown when Nancy Pelosi was asked what her response was to people chasing away the police and destroying a statue in her home city of Baltimore and said, people will do what people will do. Well, people are. A civilized society is a little better than people will do what people will do, what people will do. That's what you call anarchy. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. I uh, am thinking about the institution that probably took greater hits than any other, the police, these great police and law enforcement officials puts me in mind of something I've closed the show with before I'll do so now from G.K. Chesterton. And it is this. By dealing with unsleeping sentinels who guard the outposts of society, our police, it tends to remind us that we live in an armed camp making war with a chaotic world and that the criminals, the children of chaos, are nothing but traitors within our gates. When the detective in a police romance stands alone and somewhat fearless amid the knives and fists of a thief's kitchen, it does certainly serve to make us remember that it is the agent of social justice who's the original and poetic figure. While the burglars and footpads are merely placid old cosmic, happy in the memorial respectability, they are apes and wolves. The romance of the police force is really thus then the whole romance of man. It is based on the fact that morality is the most dark and daring of conspiracies, and it reminds us the whole noiseless and unnoticeable police management by which we are ruled and protected is a successful knight errantry. Interesting use of the word social justice. Who's the agent of social justice when Chesterton was writing was the police. Maybe the entire history of social disaster and public policy malfeasance can be attributed to the distance, the space between Chesterton saying that social justice was the police and what social justice warriors say it is now. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed.